Hey, it is the Orchard Hill Church Podcast, and we're thrilled to be in our fourth week of a series called Life Without Lack, as we're looking at Psalm 23 and what it means for the Lord to be our good shepherd. So we hope this conversation is blessing you, that you are figuring out um, what it means for God to be the shepherd of your life, and uh, we would love to hear more about what you're learning through this. So if you are learning things, just email us, reach out to us through our website, ohohio.com, and tell us what you're learning about God and how uh, you're seeing just his care for you in your life. We also have a ton coming up and our August Fridge Sheet will be live this weekend. We're talking about things from student ministry and water wars to VBS to our prayer and school event on August 20th. All of these things and more, you can find everything you need to know at our website. And uh, we just hope you come and check it out and jump in with what God is doing in and through Orchard Hill. With that, enjoy the sermon. We're continuing in Psalm 23, so we're going to read that psalm today. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. The word of the Lord. So we've been in Psalm 23 talking about the Lord as our good shepherd. In our first week, we talked about how it all starts with God. If you don't understand God, his nature, his character, who God is, you don't understand this psalm. You get it. It can be sentimental, but it won't be life-changing. Dallas Willard says that this psalm, outside of it specifically mentioning Jesus, is the perfect picture in Scripture of what life in the kingdom, where Jesus is king, should look like. So we have been sitting in this trying to learn Jesus, learn who God is and allow who he is to settle us, to shape us, to help us because ultimately we want to live life in his kingdom. We want to live this life without lack where Jesus is tending to our souls. So we talked about that our second week. We talked about the green pastures and the still waters, how God leads us to a place of safety and security to where we don't have to compete with the world around us, but because of his goodness, we can rest in places we never thought we would. Last week, we talked about God restoring our soul, about us having souls that need restoring, but also like this beautiful work that God does as he guides us into right paths, as he leads us into the things that bring life. And today, we're gonna sit with this idea, the good shepherd is with me. The good shepherd is with me. Verse four is about the presence of God. I want you to think about the times in your life where you uniquely have known the nearness of God. Just stop and think. 
Like if you were going to tell your kids or grandkids or friends about like the one time where you're just like, God was so near in a way that's unmistakable, what story would you tell? It might be a story where you were in church, where you were in a time of worship or prayer and God's presence seemed particularly near. Or it could be one of those mountaintop experiences you had at a retreat or a camp or or maybe it's the time where you were in, like the psalmist mentions, like a dark valley, a time where in a low place, God found you and you knew his presence in a unique way. It could be still quiet moments. It could be times in nature. It could be times where you witnessed the miraculous. Maybe you were even a part of it. I don't know what stories come to mind. I know that when I think of the stories in my, my life where Jesus' presence was most near in a way that I could like name and felt was tangible, all of the emotions that come with that are just like really good. <laughs> as a matter of fact, as I was listing them out, I was like, I'm listing the fruit of the Spirit because there was joy, there's peace, there's love, there's patience. Like you sense all of the goodness of God's Spirit. It's a transforming thing to be in the presence of God. I think about lots of times that it would involve tears. Uh, I don't know about you, but in my own experience of God, I feel like where there's tears, there's Jesus. <laughs> you know, sometimes the tears come first and sometimes Jesus comes first, but like there's a, a moving of the heart that happens when you're in the presence of God. Um, but it's also interesting as you think about that, most of us don't have, like if you were to, to draw like a timeline of the nearness of God and what you felt, it's not been like all high. <laughs> Maybe you've had seasons where you're like, I, I know God's around in my mind, but like, I don't feel anything. Or maybe you're just like, based on my circumstances, I feel like God is very far away. What is going on with that? Our experience of the presence of God and the reality of the presence of God often can be two different things. The question we have to ask is, is when is God near us? And you know what? Logically, we probably, if you've grown up in church, or you even read this psalm, you're like, God, well, God, he's always near us. Like, where is he not? <laughs> he doesn't just dwell in a building like this, where if you come to church, there's God. And you go down the road to the McDonald's, he's not there. God's, God's everywhere. It's his world. He's the king. When am I not near God? And yet, experientially, with what we sense and feel, it can often feel quite different. Uh, so today I kind of want to talk about some of the lies that we can believe if we're not careful. Maybe even if we don't believe them in our minds, we believe them in our hearts. When it comes to the idea of God's nearness and intimacy. Uh, full disclosure here, as we talk about this, one of the things we have to acknowledge is there, there's two things that kind of affect the way that we understand and relate to God and think about his presence in our life. And one of it is our theology. It's the things that we've been taught about God. Uh, if you grew up in church like I did, there's a good chance that you were given a mixed bag of good and bad things. And so some of the things we talk about are going to push against some of the ways that we were churched. Um, but there's another thing that kind of shapes the way we understand God and the way that he shepherds. And that is our family system like our relationship with our parents, our mom and dad. Uh, and so full disclosure here, as we talk about this, there's going to be some stuff here where part of what we have to unlearn is the things that we project upon God based on the way that we understand caregiving and the way we received it in our life. So if this stirs up some stuff, I apologize. But also 
maybe there's something there that the Holy Spirit's wanting to deal with. And since we're talking about family, I'm going to invite my son, Hunter, to come join me on stage. Hunter, he's not preaching, although if I did, it would be a whole different service. It would be amazing. Um, how are you, bud? So we're going to teach some lessons today about God and his presence, okay? So I've got to do slides too, so it's going to get a little tricky. So one of the things we want to address is like sometimes some people see God as always far away. So I just want you to go stand on the corner of the stage over there. So some people view God, if he is us and I am God, that God is just checked out and indifferent to most of what's happening in the world. That God um, is, and this is like in our culture, this would represent people who kind of have more of like a deism than like an actual view of the God of scriptures, that God's, he's around but he's probably got something better to do. <laughs> he doesn't really care. So he's not really there in the moments. Like if anything, if there's a God at all, he shows up in like the big moments, but in the day-to-day -day, and specifically when it comes to what I need and how I'm cared for, God's just far away. So God would kind of be like this. And I, I want you to think for a second. When you see God as distant, that impacts a couple of things. First, it impacts just the way you generally relate to God. If God is just a distant, not around, checked out, abdicated to, it's like he created things, he's just like, ah, I'm, good luck, have fun. See you at the end. That impacts the way that you view the character and the nature of God, but it also impacts you. Because if you see God as far away and uncaring, that says something about your own value. It says that he does not care. It says that he does not tend to me. All this stuff about the Good Shepherd that we're reading, if you fundamentally feel that God is just distanced and checked out, then you read this psalm and you're like, that's just a bunch of bull. God doesn't care. He's not involved. He doesn't. And this is one thing that we can carry into this conversation when we talk about the nearness of God and what it means. If God is in proximity far away, then that says something about God, but it also says something about me. I'm alone. I have to tend for myself. I have to take care of my own needs. I'm not comforted or protected unless I do it myself. And therefore, I have a lot of work to do. But that's not the picture of God we see here. Another thing that we often see, some people see God as very close only when they've earned it. Like only when they've earned it or they deserve it. So it's kind of like this. Hunter, you've had a very good day today, so you can take three steps closer to God. Stop. Did you just look at your brother and say a bad word? Two steps back. Oh, but then you apologized. Okay, one step forward. Oh, you followed the rules of our house. Come here. Come close. Oh, wait, you thought a selfish thing. Go back. Five steps. And it's funny, but it's not. Right? We will think about our relationship in both proximity and intimacy with God as if it all hinges on my behavior in the moment. And we're like, oh man, when, when I'm good, God is good to me. But when I'm bad, when I've sinned, when I've done something I shouldn't, or I've not gone to church enough, or you know, I haven't forgiven that one person, that God's disposition towards us is basically like, no, I'm gonna send you away. And here's, here's what this does. First, for people who are rule keepers, this leads to a lot of like inflated ego if you're like a rule keeper type of person, this actually gives you like a weird pride 
about your proximity to God. It can also lead to like entitlement. And honestly, it sets you up to fail because in the moments where you don't see God doing what you think he did, you're like, but I've kept all the rules. I've done all the right things, God. What are you, what are you doing? A lot of the huge falls in people's faith are the moments where because they feel like they've earned it, God should do what they think. When he doesn't, it creates a gap. But it also can lead to a lot of shame. It can lead to us being like, oh, God actually only wants me if I'm performing the way he wants. And if I'm not, it says something. I'm not valuable enough to keep around if I'm not doing what he says. I want you to hear that because that's, that's in the water. And not just in our culture, in our churches. That we can think about God in ways where if I don't earn it, I don't get it. That's not what we hear in Psalm 23. Another thing that we'll hear. Some people see God as nearish. <laughs> He's not very happy about it though. So this would be this kind of thing. Where it's like, hey, all right, I'm God and I'm with you. <sighs> what do you want? No, well, you haven't really earned it. I mean, I'm here because I have to be, but I'm still not happy with you, you know. And so you have a proximity to God because he's near, but he's near because he has to be, because he's God. He doesn't have a choice. He's stuck with me. But he doesn't like me very much, and especially when I've been bad. So this is a variation of the one we just talked about. But it's the belief that God's around, but he's really, God is just full of resentment. And he's withholding. He's not really good. He's just tolerant of me. He puts up with me because he has to, because if he doesn't, he quits being God. And that can be dangerous too, because what it says about God is that God is a God to us out of complete obligation. But at the core of him, he really just doesn't like us. <laughs> if you grew up in a church, that leaned harder on sin than on grace, that leaned harder on following the rules than on who you are because God has made you and saved you in Christ. There can be a part of us that believes we're close to God, but that God still really doesn't care. He just can't not be himself. This isn't what we hear in these scriptures. When we read Psalm 23, it says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you're close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. Like what God is like is like when you're even in, when you're in the darkest valley and we don't get like why you're there. Like is the sheep in the valley because it wandered off? Because it loves dark valleys. <laughs> I love a good dark valley. We don't, we don't really get why the sheep is there, but even if you're in the lowest place, in the darkest place, in the place where there should be the most danger, God is there with you. I'm gonna pull from another Psalm, and I'm gonna have to move this so I can do this, and I'm gonna kind of puppet Hunter for a minute. Um, in Psalm 139, it says this. I'm gonna be God here. It says, I can never escape from your presence. Because God is like this. I can never get away from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. It says, if I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. Let's keep going. 
if I ride the wings of the morning, <laughs> if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me, <laughs> right? Your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in the darkness, you can't hide from me. To you, the night shines as bright as the day. Darkness and light are the same to you. Give Hunter a hand. Thanks, guys. When the scriptures talk about God and his proximity to us, we have to realize that God's nearness and intimacy to him are hand in hand. And it's not rooted in our performance. It's rooted in our value to the God who made us in his image. So when God says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff, they protect and comfort me. What he's naming there is there is an intimacy, a love that correlates to a nearness that never stops. No matter how you are, where you are, or what you're walking through. And that that presence brings everything you need into the moment. That idea of you have a life without lack, it is rooted in the fact that God is not far from you. He's not moving you far and back because of the way that you perform or don't. He's not indifferent towards you. That as we say, when we lift up Jesus in the gospel, that even when we were sinners, Christ died for us. And when we were dead in our sins and transgressions, it's then that he raised us up in Christ. And this is the idea that's so important. In Colossians 1, it says, you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And with Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all its glory. Paul says the key to understanding the hope that we have is to understand that you are in Christ, that you are enveloped by God. This is when you are baptized, and we baptize you under the water, and we lift you up. We say you are buried with Christ. The idea is, like, if this is you, and this is Christ, you're in him. So where Christ goes, you go. When he died, you died. When he was raised, you were raised. There's an intimacy and a proximity that you have to God that can't be changed because you've been made one with Christ. Christ has become your life. The good shepherd has infused you with himself. He's given you his spirit. And this is not a spirit that is withheld based on your performance during the day. It's not a spirit that is withheld based on the temperament of a God who is fickle at best. God is not fickle. He is love. He is holy love and he has proven it in Christ that everything that you need to not just have his nearness, but to have intimacy with him. He's removed every barrier. This is the good news of Jesus. And his presence addresses our fears directly. His presence addresses the fears that come from our situation. They come from even fears of our own self and our own brokenness and our own stuff. I was thinking this week about Landon when we were a kid. When we were still fostering Landon and Hunter, 
we took them down to Louisiana to my dad's fishing camp, and it was in the winter. Uh, I'm going to show you a picture of Landon fishing on the dock. Um, he, um, yeah, adorable. Uh, so we go down to my dad's camp. He's fishing. It's cold, but it's, it's Louisiana cold. It's not Ohio cold, but you know, it's definitely cold enough to where you don't want to be in the lake. So he's out on the deck, and I'm like, hey, buddy, uh, you don't need to get very close to this because you can't swim and the water's freezing and just like, I want you to fish, just like be aware and don't go any further out. Well, of course, I look over and the next time I see him, he's here. Um, and so there I am and I'm like, hey, buddy. Like, this is, this is nothing has changed. This is the same thing. Hey, buddy, um, you don't need to go any further. You're gonna fall in the, the water. And of course, I turn around to help Hunter get a cricket on his hook, and I hear splash. And so, and the water there maybe, like he probably could have stood up if he really wanted. It wasn't that, we were right there on the, but I have to, you know, I reach in and I pull him out of the ice cold water, and I carry him in, and we get all the wet clothes off of him, and get him in a hot bath, and take care of him, do all the things that you have to do. Um, but it, it was just funny because like, for Landon, the rule of not getting close enough just didn't make any sense. It didn't sound like I was being a good dad at that point. I was just the dad who was being like, that fun you want to have? Don't have that fun. Don't have that fun. Don't do that thing. Um, and this is the way it can often be with us. I mean, if we're going to accept that God is our good shepherd, one of the things we have to accept is that God sees what is good for us enough that when he sets things out for us, when he uh, instructs us and guides us um, and protects us, that he knows what's best. I mean, think about it. You think Adam and Eve, when they were like, heard God say, don't eat from that tree, because if you do, it's going to die, that they were just like, hmm, that's really good advice. I'm going to heed that. I mean, they were the first humans and they were the first ones to show us that sometimes what God will set out as a rule in love is something that we'll just see as, ah, that's, that's not really true. That's a bad idea. <laughs> Certainly, God, creator of all things, you don't know everything. Uh, we don't always see rules as love, but all good rules stem from a good relationship rooted in love. And this is one of the things where, like the key to experiencing Jesus as your good shepherd is trusting that when he's guiding you, he's also protecting you. That there's a love that casts out our fear where we can rest in knowing that even if he's like inhibiting us, he's inhibiting us for our good. When he is putting up a boundary, hey, don't get too close to that. You're gonna fall in. That water's ice cold. You really don't wanna be in a lake in Louisiana in January. That that's not me trying to harsh his gig. It's me trying to protect him from what he doesn't know. And God does this with his people all the time. And let's be real honest. We live in a culture that has a hard time trusting that God's rules are coming from a place of love. And it's because we have a culture that thinks about God in really broken ways. <laughs> we think about him as far away. We think about him as 
the one who just rewards good and punishes bad, or God who is around but really doesn't like us. He really resents us. We don't trust the goodness of God's heart who is with us all the time and who is wrapped around us and who is protecting us and comforting us honestly, whether we're a rebellious sheep or not. Like God doesn't say, now that you're doing what I say, I'm going to protect you and comfort you. Matter of fact, most of the moments in my life where God's nearness has been around, he's met me in my broken places, not just in my best behavior. That's where we see the grace and the mercy of God. Is he's the good shepherd, not because we've earned it or deserve it, in spite of it, because he just loves us. He just values us enough to guide us. In 1 John 4, it says, there's no fear in love the perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. I think one of the things that we have to honestly wrestle with, if we're going to experience the good shepherd, God, leading us into a life without lack, is we're going to have to trust God to lead us, to protect us, and to guide us in the dark places assuming that out of his love, even the boundaries are coming from a place to guide us into what's best. And honestly, you only experience that when you hang up the bad idea that God doesn't love you or he only loves you because you've done X, Y, and Z and you embrace the fact that before you'd ever did anything, God in his infinite love stepped out of heaven onto earth and laid down his life so that he could bring you into himself. So that everywhere you go, no matter what choices you made, no matter what the disposition of your heart is towards God, that even when we are in our roughest attitudes and hardest rebellions against God, God is, he loves us. He loves us. And once you yield to that, once you're, you're kind of like, you know what? I'm willing to let you love me. Like the way you want to, God, not just the way I say you should. The way you want to and not just the way I think you would. The way you want to and not just the way I've earned. But really say, God, Whatever it means for you to be the good shepherd, shepherd me, guide me. We're going to find the fear that God would lead us in any other direction other than towards life will just dissipate because his perfect love cast that out. I'm going to invite our band to come up for a time of response. And I kind of wanted to end with these two questions today. Like one, is God's nearness good news to you? Like, is it good news to you that God is near? The reality is he's near whether you sense it or feel it or not. Like, that's something we lift up as something that's true regardless of what I feel. And I love when I feel it. But at the same time, it's the moments where I feel like God is distant or withholding or mad at me that I have to come back to the truth and say, you know what's really true? Like, not what I feel, but what is true in the unseen reality is God is the good shepherd who's with me even in the darkest places. 
And I need to believe that and let that be good. But I also have to ask the question, do we welcome him to shepherd us? Do we welcome him to be the good shepherd? Is there a part of you that resists the idea that if God were to come in, he's probably gonna ask me to do something I don't wanna do? He's probably gonna ask me to deal with this hard thing. He's gonna ask me to stop doing this or start doing this. I don't want that. Was well, he the good shepherd? Or is he like an advice column? Is he the good shepherd who's protecting you and comforting you and leading you into green pastures and streams? Is he restoring your soul or is he just the one who you call on for emergencies? Whose advice is only worth taking if I'm desperate enough? We have to come to a place where we welcome him to shepherd us because we trust his character regardless of what he might ask or do because we know he's good. And that's a place where in, in lots of times when we go from this place, we have to choose, like, am I gonna let him guide me this week? Is he gonna be, uh, my, is he gonna be my first response or my last resort? That's the difference. And all of that hinges on like, do you trust that he's good? So as we sing, as we pray, I'm just gonna ask the Holy Spirit to remind you of the ways that you've seen the goodness of God. And if you don't know where to start, just fix your eyes up there on the cross. It's the place we see it. God is good. He loved the world so much that he sent his son. So our band's gonna pray, gonna play, and we're gonna pray. And we'll come to a time of communion in just a moment. Let me pray for you. Um, and if you're here and you need prayer, uh, if you need prayer, whether it's like, hey, I need some prayer about some specific stuff. Maybe there's a situation going on in your life. Uh, maybe you're, you're sick or you know someone who's sick and you want to pray for them. In any way that we can pray, Christy will be down here. I'll be down here. Wanda will be down here. We'd love to pray with you. Uh, so you can make your way down if that's something you would need. Uh, but let's just fix our eyes and ask that question. Are we welcoming him to be our shepherd today? Lord, thank you that you are, you are good. You're the good shepherd. And Lord, we pray, um, yeah, and all the ways we think of you that aren't healthy, that we've picked up, however we've picked up, God, like, realign our hearts to see you, to see you as the one who meets us in our lowest place and then walks with us wherever we go, in the highest of heights, in the lowest of lows, even in the darkest valley, that we cannot, we can let go of fear and let it dissipate because you are with us. Oh God, help that to be good news to us as we go today. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.